You are listening to a sermon by Dr. Richard Caldwell, produced by Walking in Grace. Walking in Grace is a listener-supported ministry. If you'd like to know how you can help these messages reach more people, visit walkingingrace.org media. If you would please join with me in turning to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We are actually in the course of study of the Gospel of Matthew, but when we got to the 19th chapter and we read where the Pharisees were questioning our Lord about His view of divorce, and he took them back to the book of Genesis. He said, in effect, instead of talking about divorce, let's first talk about marriage. When we saw that, well, we chose to take a break in our study of Matthew and take some time to study the question of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And so we're in the midst of that study within the study of the Gospel of Matthew. And this morning we Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read beginning at verse 22. We'll read down to verse 33. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 22. This is the word of the living God. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless." So husbands ought, to, ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let's go to our God together in prayer and ask His blessing. Our Father in heaven, we thank You for the way that our hearts have already been edified this morning. The singing has ministered to our hearts as we've had opportunity to lift our praises to you and to be instructed through singing. The video that we saw and the exhortation regarding this ministry that we have a part in to families that are faced with unplanned pregnancies. Lord, we thank you for the rescuing of human life in the womb and we thank you for the faithfulness of those who serve in this way and pray your blessing upon that ministry and your blessing upon our part in contributing to that ministry. Lord, we are aware every day that we are living our lives for you in the midst of what is really a foreign land. Lord, we are pilgrims. We are sojourners. We are passing through on our way to the better country, to the better city. And Lord, we 
pray that you would strengthen us to be faithful in these days, faithful citizens of the kingdom of heaven, faithful subjects of the Lord Jesus Christ, a faithful church and faithful members of a faithful church. Lord, that's our desire, our ambition, our prayer. And we thank you, Lord, for this time we're having now to study marriage and to study family in the midst of a culture that is increasingly a stranger to these things. Lord, may this church be characterized by faithful families and faithful homes. We ask your blessing upon the preaching of your word this morning. May it go forth in the power of your spirit. May you deal with our hearts, changing our lives, changing our homes as a result of what we hear. And may you even this day, Lord, save the lost. I recognize that some will hear me today who don't know your son, who don't know you. And we ask that this day might be the day when you deliver them from the domain of darkness and transfer them to the kingdom of your Son, granting them repentance and faith in Jesus, the only Savior who exists. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Marriage is not the only gift that God has given to humanity, that God has given to His people, but it is a good gift. And when you are married to a woman who knows Jesus, to a woman who loves the Lord and loves you and loves your children, it's a great gift. And when a man has a wife like that, he needs to look up. He needs to give God thanks because if that's you, sir, your wife has been given to you by God just as surely as he gave Eve to Adam. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You've not just found a good thing, but you've obtained favor from God. Proverbs 19.14 says, House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. There are a great many things that we can impart to our children just by virtue of our choices, but a wife is not one of them. When, a, when a, a son of ours finds a faithful wife, a godly wife, that is a gift from God. The worth of such a wife is beyond our ability to describe the riches that are found in her literally touch upon every aspect of our lives. A godly wife is a helper. She is our most loyal friend. She is a wise counselor. She is a defender. She is an encourager. Above all, she's a fellow worshiper. There's no way to calculate her value. Proverbs 31.10 says, An excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The beauty of such a wife is not just external. If you're married to a woman who loves Christ, then you know the beauty of her humility, the beauty of self-sacrifice. A woman who glorifies God by investing in your life, the life of her husband, and in the lives of your children, which is why if she's married to a godly man and if God is gracious to save your children, 
she'll know praises from her family for the rest of her life. Proverbs 31.28 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I love that last part because it reminds us that she will not only receive the praises of her family, but she'll receive the praises of the fruit of her own efforts. Spiritual fruit, lasting fruit as a result of the life that she has lived. We've been thinking for the last two weeks about the fact that marriage is for sanctification. God has ordained that we grow as Christians in every realm of our lives, but including the realm of our marriage. We saw last week in an overview of this section how everything about this section cries out to us, you must grow spiritually. When the standard for a husband is Christ's love for his church, and when the standard for a wife is the church and her position toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and considering the church in a pristine condition, one day she's going to be presented before the Lord without spot or wrinkle or any such thing in holiness and blamelessness. When you think about the standards that are set before us, it is an impossible standard on this side of glorification, which says that we must grow. And so just looking at the section as a whole, you see that we must grow as Christians within the realm of marriage. But then when you begin to look at the marriage-specific instruction, what God says to husbands specifically and what God says to wives specifically, now you have specific areas, specific matters in which you and I must grow in Christ-likeness. And everything that the Spirit of God says through Paul in this section really is summarized in the 33rd verse when he says, nevertheless, each individual among you, after pointing out that marriage speaks of something greater than marriage, Christ's relationship to his church, nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. All of that instruction summarized in these two large categories. Husbands, are to grow in the love that our Savior has for His church. This is the very love with which we are to love our wives. We talked about that last Sunday evening. And then this morning, what we're going to concentrate on is the second category, and it's this. Wives are to grow in the respect that a submissive church has for her head. How is the church to respond to her perfect Savior? Well, that is the model, that is the standard from which the wife learns to respect her husband. Wives are to grow in the respect that a submissive church has for her head. That's what we think about in our time in God's Word this morning. Two things are emphasized in the specific instruction given to wives. Submission and respect. And it's clear when you look at verse 33 that the submission that is called for, if you look back to verse 22, wives be subject to your own husbands. You'll notice the words be subject or italicized if you have the legacy standard Bible because 
the thought is carried over from the previous verse, verse 21, being subject to one another in the fear of Christ, wives to your own husbands. The words be subject, however, are found in Colossians 3, so you can't argue, well, I'm not sure the thought carries over. It does. So submission is called for in verse 22, but the fact that he can summarize all that he says to the wife in verse 33 in the terms of respect says that this submission must be respectful if it is to be submission. The submission spoken of in verse 22 can be summarized with the word respect in verse 33. So this is what a wife is to be growing in. This is what she is to learn. The kind of respect that a submissive church is to have for her head. Now let me just say something at the outset. What this passage is not teaching is that both husband and wife have no responsibility to grow in each of these things. In other words, would it be true to say that a husband is to love his wife, but a wife is not to learn to love her husband? A wife is to respect her husband, but the husband is not to learn to respect his wife. Is that what the passage teaches? Of course not. The rest of the Bible makes that clear. Husbands are also to learn to respect their wives. For example, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There clearly husbands are taught to live with their wives in a way that they understand them. And one aspect of that is honoring their wife. That is a form of respect. Husbands, godly husbands, are to honor their wives as the weaker vessel. Wives are taught in Titus chapter 2 to love their husbands. Titus 2 verse 3, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the Word of God may not be reviled. Isn't it interesting also that that last line in Titus 2 verse 5, that the Word of God may not be reviled? I mean, this is what is at stake in the health, the spiritual health and well-being of our homes? Will the Word of God be honored? Will the Word of God be held up, not only in our homes, but to a watching world in a way that says God's Word is true and we respect it and we submit to it and we strive to live it out? Or will we disrespect the Word of God by the very ways that we live toward each other as husbands and wives? So the passage, even though it focuses on a husband's love for his wife, does not teach that a wife is not also to love her husband. And the fact that it focuses on a wife's respect for her husband, it is not teaching that a husband isn't also, in a way appropriate to their distinct roles, to respect his wife. What is being emphasized? Well, what is being emphasized is that they do have distinctive roles. The husband's role is not the wife's role. The wife's role is not the husband's role. And when you think about 
these distinctive roles, then the emphasis for the husband is on sacrificial love, and the emphasis for the wife is on submissive respect. What's being emphasized are these distinctive responsibilities assigned by God. And it is vital that the church, which is the pillar and support of the truth of God in the world, speaks to these things, declares God's truth about these things, because you and I are living in a culture that is increasingly ignorant of what God designed when He made man and woman, casting off God's design in every respect, turning God's truth on its head, calling light darkness and darkness light, inverting everything that God designed. I mean, down to the level of masculinity and femininity, so that now what is taught in the culture is almost that we should feminize men and masculinize women, casting off God's design for marriage, casting off the thought that in a marriage, even between men and women, there are distinctive roles. All of this being denied by the culture so that the church of our time is showing the signs of cultural conformity. It's not unusual. It is not unusual to find professing Christians who don't pay much attention to this kind of instruction and yet profess, they would say and think to themselves, they're doing just fine in their walk with God. They don't think too much about distinctive roles within their marriage. They don't think too much about what it means for a husband to sacrificially love his wife and a wife to respect and submit to her husband. They don't think in those terms a very loose relationship to Scripture in terms of how they actually live in their home life. And yet due to biblical ignorance, due to the, to the weakness of the church of our time, feel like they're doing just fine in their walk with Jesus. I want to tell you, you can't ignore this instruction and be doing just fine in your walk with Jesus. If we're living lives that are God-honoring, then we're living lives that are Scripture-submitted. We are submitted to the Word of God. That's what honors God. So that the Word of God may not be reviled, you see? May be respected as it should be. We must learn these truths and we must live these truths out. So the question this morning is this. What kind of respect does God want a wife to have for her husband? What kind of respect does God want a wife to have for her husband? And this morning from our verses, there are four aspects of this respect that I want to share with you. Four ways that we can describe the respect that a wife must have for her husband. The first one is this. The respect that's being spoken of in these verses is a worshipful respect. It is a worshipful respect. Respect. Verse 22, look there. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. When I say a worshipful respect, I of course do not mean worshipful toward her husband. I mean worshipful toward her Lord. You respect your husband as you worship Christ. As to the Lord. You Submit to Him, you respect Him for the sake of Christ, out of honor for the Lord Jesus Christ, in worship toward the Lord Jesus Christ. What is submission? 
It's a word that has to do with arrangement. It was used often in a military context to arrange under. It has to do with function, functional structure. We could describe it this way. Submission is when a person under authority or, if you're talking about mutual submission, in keeping with a limitation of authority, when you embrace an expressed arrangement for the purpose of function. Here is the arrangement. Here is how we're going to function. Perhaps you're under authority in that arrangement, or perhaps you have limited authority in that arrangement. Now, you're going to embrace that expressed arrangement so that the function of the organization or whatever it may be is what it is meant to be. Well, in the case of marriage, God has given an expressed arrangement. He has defined roles for husbands and wives, submission on the part of the wife, because she is in this arrangement designed by God, under the authority of her husband. He is the head. She is the helper. It is a wife willingly, joyfully, worshipfully embracing that express arrangement so that her home, her marriage will function as God means for it to function. The different design for men and women is so clearly set forth in the Word of God. It was set forth in the very way that God made man and woman. Adam formed from the dust of the earth. Eve formed from his side. It was set forth in what God pronounced when He expressed His plan to form woman. He will make a helper suitable for Adam, corresponding to Adam. And here in our text, we're told that the man is the head of his wife. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So God has different roles designed for husbands and wives, and we honor Christ. We worship our God when we willfully, joyfully, worshipfully embrace the design that God has set forth in His Word. God has given a unique leadership role to the husband. It is expressed in these verses chiefly in the terms of sacrificial love. You want to say, what does it mean to be a leader in my home? It means that you love your family, beginning with your wife, in the way that Christ loves His church. That's how you lead. And then a wife's response to that God-given responsibility given to her husband is to embrace her role as her husband's helper to help him by coming under his leadership in a way that honors Jesus. By the way, this also helps us understand the limits of submission as to the Lord. Christ's authority is supreme. The Word of God is the ultimate standard. So a wife never honors Christ and never really honors her husband if she would follow her husband in things that violate Scripture. Submission to your husband never means violating Scripture. So you are submissive to him so far as you can remain submissive to Christ. And you are submissive to Christ and your husband in a way that focuses on Christ. You do this honoring your Lord. 
This is where submission always must begin on the part of a wife, submission to Jesus himself. I want to honor Christ. That's why I want to live toward my husband in a way that Christ has set forth in the Word of God. So where I want us to begin this morning in our thinking is where we started with the men last Sunday evening. Ladies, I want to say to you that just as your husband must be a man of God before he can be a good husband, so you must be a woman of God before you can be a good wife. You're a Christ worshiper, a God worshiper. This is why you would embrace what God sets forth in His Word here about your role. Say it another way, it is holiness that explains a respect for God's design. Why would we respect God's design? Because we have hearts that want to pursue holiness. What is right in the sight of God. 1 Peter 3, 5 says this, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. There in 1 Peter 3, we don't have time to deal with that section in detail this morning. What is envisioned there is a wife living with a disobedient husband. She is still called to be submissive to him to the degree that she can remain submitted to Christ. And she is exhorted by the models who have gone before her. And those women who are her models, women set forth in Scripture, are described as holy women who hoped in God. You see, their hearts were set on pleasing God, one day standing before the living God and hearing, well done. This is how they remained submitted to their husbands, because they were women of holiness. And this is how the Lord has designed for it to work, that your love for your husband, your respect for your husband will flow out of your reverence for Christ Himself. So ladies, I want to ask you, sisters, I want to ask you, are you pursuing a relationship with your husband that begins with your worship of Christ? Do you want to please Jesus in how you relate to your husband? When you think about this past week and how you've lived toward your husband, has it been your focus to please Christ? Lord, I want to please you. And this is why you have related to Him in the way that you've related to Him, because you want to please Christ. As I said to the men last Sunday evening, if I were to say to you, respect your husband in this way, would it surprise you if I were to say, respect him by praying every day? Respect him by studying the Word of God every day. Respect him by loving the church. Respect him by putting away sin. Respect Him by pursuing obedience. Because you see, this is the pathway. If it all begins with worship of Christ, and it does, then this is the pathway by which you're going to actually respect your husband. It begins with the worship of Christ. Godly women, holy women are the women who live out this design. So do you love the Lord's church? Is the Bible the standard for how you want to live in your home? I mean, where are you getting your ideas from? Are you getting them from the culture? Are you getting them from friends? Are you getting them from articles you read out there in the world somewhere? Or are you able to tie your thinking about how to live in your marriage, how to raise your children, how to love your husband? Are your thoughts tied to the Word of God? 
It's not even enough to say, just listen to the church in general. As I've already said, the church of our time is being influenced by the culture. Is your heart submitted to Christ and as a result submitted to Scripture? Is the Bible the standard? And what kind of a husband do you want? Are you exhorting him in godliness? Are you exhorting him to pursue holiness? Do you help him? When he's striving to lead your home in a way that's godly, I mean, are you encouraging to him as he's pursuing that path? So this respect, first of all, is a worshipful respect. It flows out of worship for Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Second, I have four I'm going to share. Second, this respect is a positional respect. A positional respect. This is an area where we all must grow, husbands and wives. The ability to see life through the eyes of faith, to see life through the eyes of Scripture, God's truth, to see what would otherwise be invisible, but we see it because God said it. How do we know this design is correct? How do we know that men and women were formed by God to be different? I mean, different on purpose. And how do we know we've been assigned different roles for the purpose of function? I mean, we're wired that way even. God made us to be different and to live differently. How do we know this? Well, the answer, of course, is none of us were there when man and woman came into existence. And the only way we know how we came into existence, the only way we know where we all had our beginning, the only way you know that man was formed from the dust of the earth and woman was formed from his side is the one who did it has told us about it in Scripture. God-inspired words, God-preserved words, so that now we're able to open our Bibles and read and therefore through salvation, through regeneration, new birth, as a result, new eyes, by the work of the Spirit of God, now believers, and believers only, have the capacity to see what is otherwise unseen. And what we see is what God said. I have no other evidence but what God has said, but what God has said has now become sight for me. I see it, I believe it. I live my life based on it. So that if you say this morning, ladies, if you say, why should I respect him, my husband, my answer is going to be because your God, the living God, has told you this is right in his inspired word. And the question is, do you have the eyes to see that? So that the respect you give to your husband is not based so much on your husband as it is based on God's words. You do this by faith, you see? You do this by faith, both in the church and in the home. We are to have respect for the differences between men and women, respect for the different assignments that God has given us, and it's all based on God's Word. 1 Timothy 2.12, speaking of how we're arranged as the church, Paul writes, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. 
right? We have different roles carried out in public ministry in the life of the church. Why is it that only men preach in the life of this church? Why is it that we have men doing the public scripture reading in the life of this church? Why is it that we have a man leading us as we are instructed with the Word of God through singing? Why does that happen in the life of this church? Why is it even at the level of Bible study classes, we don't have women teaching men in an authoritative fashion? Why? Because God said that's right, you see, that we not do that. He's the one who's told us not to do that. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Why, Paul? By the way, quiet doesn't mean you can't ask a question in a Bible study class. It doesn't mean you can't have a conversation about spiritual things around the church campus as men and women interact with each other. He's talking about public instruction, authoritative instruction. Why is this the standard, Paul? Is it something cultural? Now, he explains why, very next verse, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Why? It has to do with creation. It has to do with God's will in the way that he made man and woman. It has to do with the assignments that he's given them. Yes, in their home, but it also, a respect for those differences is then reflected even in public worship. 1 Corinthians 11 is another example. In this particular passage, you do take a cultural expression. If I had more time, I would explain to you why it is a cultural expression. It's not timeless, the idea of head coverings. I don't believe that the women are commanded by God to have head coverings on during worship service. But that cultural expression spoke of something that is timeless, the difference between men and women. 1 Corinthians eleven seven: for a man ought not to cover his head, since he's the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angel. What a statement that is. I want you to think about this. Why do we have demons? Why are there demons? Why are there unholy angels? Answer, because there was a time when in the heavens there was an angelic rebellion led by the chief enemy of our soul, Lucifer, Satan. Now, if you're a holy angel and you were witness to that rebellion and the judgment that followed it, I'm guessing that a holy angel is sensitive to things like respect for authority, like respect for God's design. And here he's envisioning the church worshiping in the presence of the angels and understanding the sensitivity of angels to the design of God and the authority of God and respect for that authority, even in the life of the church. That authority is to be clearly respected. Verse 11, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. There's a mutual dependency that God has designed between men and women. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. 
and all things are from God, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? Paul, making reference to that cultural expression of authority, notes that even in nature, a woman glories in her hair. A man doesn't. (laughs) You know we're living in a weird culture when the men are glorying in their hair. Doesn't nature teach us that a woman glories in her hair? A man doesn't. But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. This is a universal principle based on the revelation of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. What does this mean practically? It means that the chief reason why a wife respects her husband is not her husband but her Lord. She sees a dignity associated with Him that is not about Him. God has set this dignity upon Him by the role that He has assigned to her husband so that you respect Him not so much because of His personality or because of His performance, but based upon the role that God has assigned to Him. But you won't see that unless you have the eyes of faith. You won't see that unless you believe the revelation of God found in Scripture. But if you can see that God made you differently from the very beginning and assigned different roles to you from the very beginning, and that carries on to our own day, it extends to the home, it extends to the church. If you can see this, now you have a respect for your husband even when he's not living respectably based upon the role God has assigned to him. This is a positional respect. It is a worshipful respect. I do this unto the Lord. It is a positional respect. It's based on God's express design found in Scripture. Do you have the eyes to see that? How many women, how many of my sisters in this room have struggled with respecting your husband based upon his personality? or based upon his performance. I mean, if he would just live a godly life, I would respect him. But then you have 1 Peter 3, which exhorts you to respect him even when he's living a disobedient life. Again, to be clear, not in a way that would take you out from underneath the authority of Christ, not in a way that would violate Scripture, but to the degree you can remain submitted to Christ, you're still to respect him and remain submitted to him. Why? Because this is what God has set forth in His Word. Do you have the eyes of faith to see that? So it's a worshipful respect. It is a positional respect. Third, this respect is a general respect. This takes us to verse 24. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in, what's the next word? Everything. In everything. Now, we understand that word in the context of a sentence and that sentence in the context of the larger section. There are people who've made a mockery of what that verse says. What does this mean that you're to be 
subject to your husband in everything. I don't want you to use that fork at dinner. Use this other fork. Now you be submissive to him. You use that other fork. That's what he wants. I'd rather you not wear that shade of whatever it is that you cover your eyes. Whatever you call that. Right? <laughs> is it eye shade? What, what is it called? Eyeshadow. There we go. Don't use that. Aren't you glad I don't know? Okay, be honest. You're glad I don't know. Don't use that. You need to use this shade instead. I don't like that color dress. I like the other color dress, etc., etc., etc. I mean, is that what the verse is speaking of? Of course not. That is a mockery of what this is describing. When he says in everything, what he's talking about is this is, this is not just about particulars. This is a general attitude. This respect, this submission actually begins to take on an expression in every realm of your lives. As you walk together as husband and wife, it shows up all over the place. In every realm of your walk, these distinctive roles, this difference by design, it shows up everywhere. That's what he's saying. He is not teaching that a husband is to micromanage his wife. In fact, if a husband is godly, what he remembers and the way he would exhort his wife is, hey, we both have the same master in heaven. Jesus is our Lord. We are equal heirs of the grace of life. We are mutually dependent upon one another, as we read earlier. Yeah, woman came from man, but now man is born from woman. No, this is not teaching that a husband micromanages his wife but rather that this difference in design is respected in every realm of their lives. I'll say to you this way, wives, you need to allow your husband to be to you what God means for him to be to you. You must allow him to protect you. You must allow him to provide for you. You must allow him to lead your home in the worship of our God. Have fellowship with Him in the realm of God's revealed Word. You must allow Him to grow in all of this, to fail along the way in all of this, to exhort Him to get up again, get up again, lead us, help us, be to us everything that God means for you to be to us. This is being subject to Him in everything. And this is a great strength. The Bible says that the wife is the weaker vessel, but she has an incredible strength that's all her own. In the case of the church, we have a perfect head. Jesus is a perfect protector, a perfect provider, a perfect shepherd. He never fails. But the wife, knowing that her husband is not that, then trusts her shepherd, her God, to work perfectly through her imperfect husband and through their imperfect lives to produce what glorifies God and is good for their souls. She trusts her sovereign God, and that is a great strength. So what this gets down to is, is what God has prescribed, what God loves, what God values, so that she's not offering excuses for a lack of respect and for a refusal to embrace how God has designed them differently.
Sometimes a wife will say, well, you know, I'm just not made like that. I mean, let someone protect me, provide for me, take care of me, lead me. It's just not how I'm made. It's just not the home I was raised in. You know, we're now living in different times. The Word of God is the Word of God. It is timeless wisdom. It never changes. And what God is telling you about in these verses is what He loves. 1 Peter 3, 4 says, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Speaking to wives, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, never dies, never goes away, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Do you care about what's precious in God's sight? Wives are to be characterized by gentleness, and a peacefulness, a quietness. Not being boisterous, not trying to take the lead over your husband, not trying to dictate to him what is going to be true in your home, but encouraging him to be the leader that God wants him to be. That pleases Christ. As I said earlier, it's not about his worthiness, it's about Christ's worthiness. 1 Peter 3, 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. You see, this is good. We'll eventually in our series get to 1 Peter 3. But the point for this morning is your submission, your respect towards your husband is not based upon who he is. It's based upon who Christ is and it touches on every realm of life and you can only live that way if you can see, if you have the eyes of faith to see this is what pleases God. So it's worshipful respect, it's positional respect, it's a general respect. Fourth, finally, this respect is a self identifying respect, a self-identifying respect. We saw Sunday night, a husband is to love his wife in a way that says that he understands his union with her. To love his wife is to love himself. They're one. A one flesh bond has been established. A new kinship unit has come into existence. Well, the very same truth is taught concerning the wife in the 22nd verse. Wives be subject, and there's this little word, idios is the word, your own. Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Not submission given to any and every man, though I will say you can see the sickness of our culture in that the differences between men and women have been obliterated, even down to the level of the military. 
there ought to be differences between men and women that are reflected even in common culture. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying in the context of your marriage, there's a submission that is offered. This is something you give to your own husband. He is yours. You are his. He is yours alone. You are his alone. There's a unique mutual ownership, as it were, mutual ownership that is experienced and expressed in the sexual union of husband and wife. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And as I said earlier about being subject to your husband and everything, so I'll say about this text, it is not to be mocked by an understanding of it that would have that sexual relationship being ruled over by selfishness and demanding. That is not what the text is teaching, but what it is teaching is you belong to each other. And so in a spirit of love and mutuality, mutual concern, mutual care, mutual affection, manage that sexual relationship in a way that you're both blessed and, and that you honor Christ. So this respect, spoken of in our verses, has that mutual ownership in mind. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. This one flesh bond is a reality. He's yours, you're His. This is the man to whom you are to be subjected, submitted, and to whom you're to show this respect. So it is worshipful. It is positional. It is general. And it is self-identifying. It is unique to the marriage relationship itself. Marriage is for sanctification. Husbands are to grow in expressing the love of Christ for His church. Wives are to grow in expressing the respect and submission that characterizes the church in her best dress and her best moments toward her Lord. And as we each strive to live that out, we must grow in Christ-likeness because there's no husband who has yet everything that he wants to be, will be, strives to be, and there's no wife who is everything that she wants to be, will be, strives to be, so that what is needed in light of these truths is not criticism of each other, demanding of each other, but pitying each other and praying for each other and encouraging each other as together we strive to be what God has called us to be. Marriage requires growth. And so I finish by asking, are you growing? Is your marriage resulting in your spiritual growth right now? Where I must begin is, are you in Christ? You know, there are many ways we find in Scripture that a person's spiritual condition is put on display, is outed, is made plain. 
I want you to understand, this is one of the ways. Sometimes what reveals that a person, a man or a woman, is not regenerate is they cannot live out these truths in their own home. They don't want to, and they don't have the ability to. So I just want to ask you, are you in Christ? Is this in your heart to do? Do you want to live this out? Do you want to please Christ? Maybe there's someone listening to me. You want to imagine that you're doing fine with Jesus even as you ignore these truths. And you're going to live in a world that will tell you that's just fine. And there are going to be many churches that will tell you that's just fine. But the Bible won't tell you that's just fine. So are you taking this instruction to heart? Are you taking it seriously? Do you see, I want to live this out. I must live this out by the grace of God. So will you then embrace your marriage challenges as sanctification challenges? We're about to dismiss. We're going to go home. And until we meet again next week, there's going to be a week that passes where you live your lives together, husband and wife, in the context of your family, and you are going to meet some challenges. And what the teaching of the last two weeks should produce is when you meet those challenges, will you say to yourself, here is an opportunity for me to grow as a Christian. Here's an opportunity for me to embrace Christ-likeness. No, she's not everything she will be one day, but nor am I. So Lord, help me to be to her what you call me to be, no matter what she does. It's true. He's not what he ought to be, but neither are you. So when you meet with his failure, will you say, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. I worship you. Help me to be what you, what you want me to be, no matter what he does. Will you meet your marriage challenges this week as sanctification challenges so that this week in our homes we worship Christ? We don't just worship Him when we gather together here. We live the Christian life at home. We worship Christ at home. So husbands, will you worship Christ this week in the way you deal with your wife? And wives, will you worship Christ this week in the way you deal with your husband. And may God grant grace to all of us that Christ will be worshipped sincerely and zealously in our marriages this week. And the church would say, Amen. Let's pray. Father heaven, thank you for your design of us and for your revelation of that design that we can see what would otherwise be invisible because we stake our lives, our thinking, our attitudes, our decision-making, we stake our lives, our eternity on what Your Word has revealed. May this church be a church full of spiritually healthy families. And may it be because we worship Christ by taking Your Word into our hearts and with the power Your Spirit supplies living these things out. Strengthen us as husbands this day, this week, to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. And strengthen my sisters this week to worship Christ by submitting to their husbands in an attitude of respect. And may the result be well-ordered, Christ-honoring homes. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.